0: You're listening to the Bill Sunday School Podcast. Genesis 1, verse 1. Uh, we are studying evolution and creation all this month, which is a topic that a lot of you have said you're excited to learn about. And um, so let's start in the beginning. Literally, Genesis 1, 1 um, says this. If you're there or if you've, you've, you've I'm sure, heard these, these words before. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This, this whole story continues on through the six days of creation and rest, but let, we're just going to think about this passage in particular today, but before we do that, let's pray. God, we do thank you for this opportunity to study you as creator and you as God, and God, as we, as we discuss how, in fact, you created, would you give us insight and, and wisdom into who you are, how you created, how we are supposed to understand the context of Scripture, And so, Lord, just open us up, open our hearts and minds to to receive you, to receive your truth. And God, we do pray this in your precious name. And everyone screamed. Amen. Amen. Um, Yeah, so we're talking about evolution and creation today. Anybody like that debate or interested? Yeah, it's it's kind of a cool, fun topic and debate. Um, I think it is. As a kid, I grew up um spending a lot of time like outdoors and and with like plants and animals and things my dad took me fishing as a kid look at that picture look at, look at the, the fish could have ate me um it's a walleye so i spent a lot of time fishing and uh in in the woods uh this is my uh i think one of my birthdays i got this adventure set and i would go out into the woods and uh Collect animals like frogs and newts, and I made my own little ant farms. And I had a chemistry set as a kid. And I remember growing plants in my room, and like playing with like praying mantises and little aquariums. And more than that, I mean, as a kid, as maybe as a boy, some of you did those same things. But like, I would go outside and like with like a little string and like tie a fly to a string and like whip it in front of a frog, and then he would eat it. And it was like, dude, that's the coolest thing. And then I would go home and like write about it, like frog eight fly at eight thirty two a.m. And it's like very like as a kid is like just very scientific. I watched Bill Nye the science guy. Anybody else? Yes. And uh, before him, does anybody remember? I'm probably a little older than most of you. Remember Mr. Wizard on Nickelodeon? Yes. And I watched that like every single morning. And uh, so I was just interested in science and life and uh, became a Boy Scout. That's me on the on the left, my little brother on the right and uh my favorite merit badge was this nature merit badge where I just sat out in the woods in this like this plot of land, I think it was like a like a five hundred square foot or not five hundred, like five thousand square foot plot of land in this in the kind of in the woods behind our house and I would just spend all days there like observing, writing down everything that happened. You know, like, oh, frog jumps on the water seven thirty two a m and it 's just like the funnest thing in the world for me to observe um, nature and science, and I was just really interested in that all growing up and then in high school here 's me graduating high school, my fam, mom, dad, a little bro that um, look at my sideburns by the way isn 't that sweet it 's like man, I was so cool back then, not so much now, but then I was pretty cool. And uh, and so that's me graduating high school. But in in high school, in 10th grade, two years before graduation, I took uh, a class that I'd been looking forward to uh, for years. I took high school biology. Anybody take high school biology? You kind of have to. It's it's one of those required courses. To graduate high school, and I loved it. I was like in heaven, like in like just learning and and science books and the experiments on animals and dissecting things. Many of you probably thought that was disgusting. I thought it was awesome. Like I couldn't sleep the night before. We dissected a frog. It was just like the coolest thing uh, in my high school world. Um, And so, in high school, in tenth grade, I was I was really going through. Um, leaving behind many of my Catholic roots. As I've said before, if you come to Sunday school, my testimony is that I, I grew up Catholic and I was all growing up, knew uh, the Catholic way of faith and going to Catholic church. And in high school, we, we kind of stopped going to church for a couple of years. And it was in those couple of years that I really kind of gave up my, my Catholic faith. And I was, especially in this biology class, I was, I was thinking through, is there a God? Is, is there a creator? Is evolution? And I was thinking through, Um, atheistic explanations of the origins of life and the world and the universe and Big Bang and learning about those things in high school biology, I was in a real place of just confusion and and, and very interested in figuring it out. And I remember in in English class, we had to write a three-page plus paper on, on anything. And I, in the English class, I chose to write about the debate between evolution and creation. And it's really like a turning point in my life, I think, that this this, the, this year of my 10th grade because I ended up writing not just three pages, but I ended up writing like 25 pages. And in high school, that's like a book. Um, and, and so it's like this whole debate. And, and you could see it. I think I have this. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. But you could see the progression of my thought throughout this paper as I it just was... Comparing evolution creation, and then slowly began picking one and I, I picked creation, I picked this intelligent design that God somehow created things. And, and, and not just chance or a big bang, but I I began to believe in God. And this very same year, started going to a youth group, a Christian youth group, and, and learned the gospel of Jesus. And so I, I was like, oh, the God who created is the same God of the Bible, Jesus. And it was that year that I became a Christian. And so this whole debate between evolution and creation is just very and kind of wrapped up in my own life and and i loved that class so much the biology class in high school that i in fact in college my undergraduate degree i got a degree in it was kind of a double major of biology and education so that i could be a high school biology teacher so here's a picture of me at graduation dude check out my beard This is, I mean, did I say high school? This is my college uh, graduation. It's me and my dad uh, in Utah, graduated with a biology education degree. And I wanted to be a high school biology teacher and teach students about uh, life and how science is an awesome thing. But at the same time, don't disregard faith. Don't disregard uh, the, the creator, God himself. And so I was just really interested in that, fascinated with that. And, uh, but, but it turned out that, you know, I'm a pastor now, that my d- direction for life, I went to seminary and, and went down that path instead. It was a lot of because I did my student teaching. And to be a student teacher, I was like just graduating college. How old are you when you graduate college? Like 20 something, and, and the high school students are just a few years younger than me, and I'm, like, trying to, like, keep control of this class of, like, 50 students, and, like, people are, like, hitting each other and just going to the bathroom, uh, like, going away. Not, you know what I mean. Anyway, it was a disaster. Like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to yell at students, and so that's kind of why I became a pastor, and so I don't have to, if you want to go to the bathroom, you just go to the bathroom in the middle of Sunday school. You don't have to get a hall pass. Just don't worry. Anyways, let's talk about, uh, Let's do, let's, do, let's do a few announcements first. Welcome to Mill Sunday School. If you've never been to the Mill Sunday School, welcome. We like that you're here. Uh, we, we, we love this place. It's, we, I joke about that this is a gathering place of the nerds of the mill. People that like to study things, take faith um, and, and the knowledge of faith seriously. Uh, experiencing faith is good, but learning about our faith is also important. And so that's kind of what we're doing in here. And uh, if you're new, on every table there's either one or two uh, welcome cards. I think it says get school. It's our old, old logo on the front. If you take that, fill it out with some info, bring it to the, the, as you leave, there's like that black curtain. There'll be somebody back there uh, as you leave. And if you turn that in, we'll put you on our email list. We won't take advantage of it. Uh, and we'll give you a CD of worship music on Friday night that we recorded at the mill a long time ago. If you haven't been to the mill, that's our main meeting for the college and 20 somethings at new life church. And, um, yeah, I think that's all I want to say about that. So let's dive in. And and I, I thought of a discussion question. I think it's important for us to discuss and interact. And, um, and, and so the discussion question. So at, at your tables or uh, just turn to at least one person. Um, and, and just this, think about this question. Hopefully it's a very easy beginning question for you. The question is simply, how important is this debate between evolution and creation to you? And so it's not how important is it, period. No, it's how important is it? to you and so maybe you're taking college classes right now and you're in a science class and it's very important to you but maybe you've been th- you've like been down the road of evolution creation you've been in this whirlwind of debate and you're you've come out like upside down not sure what even in the world is going on and so you've just kind of like pushed it under the rug and you try to make it not important to you That that's okay th- this question is just a personal question how important is the debate for you encompassing creation evolution science like everything involved how important is that debate for you, ready, get set, discuss I think uh, for me pers- I mean just personally me, I would answer the question is, oh it 's very important for me, especially just being interested in science and and uh, going through college and getting a, a biology major this This question was very important for me in my college age, but I think um, to kind of preface this month, I mean the reason why we 've chosen evolution and creation as a whole month. Uh, as a Sunday school topic, is because I I think it's important because it has ramifications on who God is and how he does things, how he created. It has has implications on how you view the Bible. Is it literal? Is it figurative? Can you ever choose between those different readings? And so this whole month, we are going to talk about lots of different things. We're going to be, in in some ways, uh, hopefully in a good way, like rabbit trailing our way through... Various forms of the debate of evolution and creation and where we stand as believers, as Christians. And so I want to introduce the topic. And there, there's basically the, this this whole talk today is the whole talk is really an introduction to the month. But I thought I, w- I would preface the, the preface by prefacing this talk with these three points. Um, creationism intelligent design and and something of this bullet point that i put called an in-house talk and and that point being extremely important today and so right now if you're if you're on the notes that we we have the sweet did you like the cover today it's like the 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 christian fish with teeth for for some reason because we're mean and we have teeth um we're eating the darwin fish that people put on the back of their cars you know just cute isn't it just cute it's cute all right um, so, anyways, th- these three ideas: uh, creationism, intelligent design, and that this is an in-house talk is is how I want to introduce um, very quickly. So, the first point: what was it? Creationism. Um, we we believe in God. So, 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 if you're a Christian and, and you believe in the Bible, you believe in God, right? Anybody? Anybody believe in God in here? <laughs> You're like, wait, oh, wait, what? What, There's a question? Uh, Yeah, we believe in God. We believe that God is creator, right? That he created. We don't believe that uh, God was created. We believe that he created. And so there's this this term that I like a lot. I think it kind of came from uh, Thomas Aquinas, that God is the uncreated creator. Kind of a cool way to put it. He was the only thing that was uncreated, but he is the creator, the uncreated creator. And in my... um, Back in the day when I was in a seminary, getting my master's degree in uh, divinity, I had a teacher of systematic theology. And at one point he's talking about creation and, and just this big preface of, of who God is and that he is the creator. Uh, we talked about the, the, the idea. He, I think he just made it up, but I just loved it. And just kind of stuck. This idea of two stuffs. I don't know if that, that's literarily correct uh to say two stuffs but um like like all stuff like everything is either one kind of stuff or another kind of stuff bear with me the the actual name for this the what the thing that we believe as christians is a if you want to write it down a creator creation dualism that we believe in creator creation so everything everything like Underline it, period. Everything is either one of two things. It's either God or His creation. AKA, there isn't anything that that was pre-existent to God, like the laws of nature or good and evil, or you know, it's like no God in the beginning. God, and then out of God became the chemicals and, and the natural laws and, and 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 things like love. And so everything is His creation everything is either one of two kinds of stuff it's either god or his creation and he created it ex nihilo ex nihilo the latin word it's kind of fun to say do you want to say it ex nihilo yeah it's a latin word what's it mean anybody uh, yeah out of nothing good we have some latin scholars in here so it means out of nothing that god created it out of nothing he created the universe the things out of Nothing, and it's just like in the scientific world, um, you, you could say, "Oh, well, this they proposed this idea of a big bang. It's like, oh, this this glob of of stuff, and then it blew up, and then and then out came the the universe. And you could ask, well, where did that big bang come from? And it's like, well, obviously a bigger bang. And you're like, oh, okay, got it. Well, where did that big bang come from? Well, duh, a bigger bang. And you're like, okay, got it. And then well, what came after that? Well. Uh, maybe a smaller bang, I don't know, just a, another bang. Uh, it's somewhere down the road, uh, just things kept banging and and then out came and it was like, well, where, where's the beginning? And so even as Christians, like we begin to ask this question we would say, uh, God in the beginning, God, and he created out of nothing that there's this being um, that created and who this being is the, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end the first and the last. He has no beginning he has no end, he is, always was always will be um, and that that is who he is, and and so we as Christians are creationists. That's just what we are. We believe that God created, and then this whole month we're going to talk about how he created, and open up the door, and ask questions like, did he create in seven literal days? Did he? Uh, is is the is there a day age theory? We'll get into all these questions, but this is. Uh, just if someone asks you, are you a creationist? You should just say yes. And then if you wanted to explain more about how, then you could explain more about how God created and, and various beliefs within Christianity. But we as Christians are creationists. We believe that God created and, and then we would often use this term ex nihilo, that, that He form, that he created it and then out of what was created, he formed it. And so where did it all come from? Well, it came from God. And so you could and you begin to ask the questions like, well, maybe God forms stuff. Like, yeah, he does form stuff. Like in uh, Genesis chapter two, it says he, he took some dust and he formed man out of the dust, right? But where did he get the dust from? He brought it from home. It was his dust. He made it. Where did he get it from? Out of nothing. And so, yes, God does form things, but ultimately the the things that are in be, in, the things came from him out of nothing. Does that make sense? So this is a preface kind of talk, and so but but often this term creationist is very specific for like a seven-day literal interpretation. And, and today, and today uh, this whole month, we're going to ask the question, is, is, that, is that how you must interpret Genesis, a seven-day literal interpretation? And, and some Christians within the house of Christianity, some would say, yeah, maybe, maybe not. There's different things, uh, theories of how, how God created, but not did God create. Does that make sense? And so, so this term, this next term that I'll put up is intelligent design. And that's a term that I, I just like a lot better than uh, creationism because it's, it doesn't have maybe some of the baggage that the other word has with has with it. The, the term intelligent design is is, is at least respected uh, somewhat amongst even secular science worlds. And it's like, oh, you're, you believe in intelligent design. If you saw the movie uh, Expelled with, with Ben Stein, that was the term he used, intelligent design. And so it's, it's, it's all encompassing. It's, I think it's a bigger umbrella of creationism than, than the word creationism. So if you hear me say, oh, intelligent design, I, I think it's one and the same with that God designed it, that God uh, created it. Um, that, that God's hand has been in the creation and he intelligently designed it. And as Christians, we'd go further and say, well, he actually created it too out of nothing and designed it. So all that, this is still kind of a preface talk. And then this final word, um, this final three words, I guess, is, is that this, this thing that we're going to do in here, this whole month of evolution and creation is an in-house Talk. And what I mean by that is that we 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 are all on board. We've prefaced this with you know, we all believe in a creator. We all believe in intelligent design. That God it does have His hand and His role in making creation and and uh, guiding it, preserving, protecting His creation. And so we could all agree on those things. And so this is an in-house talk when we begin to ask questions like, um, uh, could Genesis one and two be figurative? We ask questions like, how does science and the creation narrative fit together? Um, Did did God create evolution? Uh, Did he use the process of evolution to design over time? Those are questions that we are going to ask all this month. But we need to preface it with, this is an in-house talk. Those questions are okay to ask. We're not going to kick you out. And, and make fun of you and shame you if you ask the question, is Genesis 1 figurative or literal? It's okay. This is a safe place to ask the question. And, and it's it's a question we're going to ask as an in-house kind of question. For example, if, if we were talking to, let's see, uh, a Confucianist, uh, someone who believes in like a Confucianist type of religion. And they're like, yeah, Jesus was a good teacher, but... Confucianist is, Confucian uh, was closer to God and his teachings are more true. And so you should put aside Jesus and believe in these Confucianist writings. We would then turn to this Confucianist and, and interact with him, of course, in a loving way. But we would argue, debate, discuss things with him as if he was an outsider. Does that, does that make sense? Like, he would be outside of the house of Christianity. He would be outside the family of Christianity. We still treat him with all respect and love. But, but he w- it wouldn't be an in-house conversation. The things that we're going to talk about this month are an in-house conversation. Does that make sense? Ho- hopefully it does, because that's kind of the framework by which the rest of this month and today's lesson is going to follow. And so there, there, I just hate the, this kind of statement that is, um, you know, like if, if you even ask the question, we're going to kick you out, we're going to pick it against you, and we're going to make fun of you, and we're going to treat you like this guy. Get a brain Morans. <laughs> the, the idea that I, I, and I've heard it before, and I just don't like it, and maybe you've heard it before too, and this idea that, oh, if you, if you believe, if you don't believe in the first. The the first chapter of Genesis, if that's not literal to you, then how could the rest of the Bible not be literal? You know, just get out of my face. We'll we'll kick you out of the club. If you even ask the question, could Genesis 1 be figurative? Um, And and we'll just kick you out and we'll pick it against you and we'll tell you to get a brain, Moran. Um, That's not what we're going to do in here. We're going to spend this month... um, Asking questions, asking, talking about science, talking about the Bible, the creation narrative. And like, how, how do we begin to do, mesh these things? Or is that not something we should do? Should we just keep it separate? We're, we're, we're going to go that direction this month of, of asking the questions. And so the big idea, Christianity believes in a creator. We believe in a creator. Um, to talk about that just a little bit more, we, we, the Nicene Creed, the creed that Christians uh say and that we we repeat together and we believe in the first uh, statement is we believe in god creator of the heavens of earth, heavens and earth all that is seen and unseen right it's like yeah we believe in a creator we believe god created and then comma however there is debate and there it's an in-house debate we don't kick you out if you if you ask the question uh, about how he created and hopefully that Hopefully I've prefaced it enough to say, okay, what we're going to do in here is an in-house debate. Every one of us as uh, Christians, and if you're visiting and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian, that's, that's great. We, we love that you're in here and, and listening and learning and being respectful. Um, and, and so p- please continue to come. But if you, if you call yourself a Christian, you believe in the Bible, you believe in a creator. And, and then and then there, down the road, there's there could be an in-house debate of how he created. Got it? At least you're you're on track with what I'm saying, at least. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about science, then we're going to talk about the Bible, and then hopefully we'll still have time within the half hour that's left to talk about how how we weave these two things together. So science, then the Bible, and then how we weave these two things together. Science, Bible, how we weave, right? And so science, we'll just look at it from a purely uh, maybe secular scientific thing. We're going to talk about three points, the scientific method, and old earth, and evolution. These are the three things that I want to bring up in a scientific uh, worldview, if you could even begin to say it like that. So scientific method, old earth, and evolution. We'll go through each one of these points. The first point was scientific method. Do you remember we're learning this maybe in middle school? Did you learn the scientific method, like the points, the, the like, what is this? What is science? Well, it's the scientific method. Number one, observe and describe a phenomenon. Number two, formulate a hypothesis to explain the phenomenon. Number three, use the hypothesis to predict quantitatively the results of the new observations. <gasps> Number four, performance of experimental tests, test plural, of the predictions by several independent experimenters uh, involving controls. So you have to involve, like if you're testing something, you have to, test it, then retest it, and then change something so that you, you're sure that what you're testing is actually what you're testing. and You're not testing some other variable. And then sometimes number five is repeat the steps. This is the scientific method, right? You it, conjuring up memories of middle school science. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes it's simplified to just this, which is actually makes more sense than all those points. You observe something. You think, you think. oh, that thing that I'm observing is because of this, a hypothesis. And then you experiment on your hypothesis to see if what it is you're testing is actually so. And so you, the experiment involves controls. It, it involves observation. It involves retesting. And then you observe those experiments. And then you make some more hypotheses. Then you uh, experiment again. And then you observe again. And it's this cycle where philosophically in science, we can't say, we've got it, we've figured everything out. No, science says, well, let's test it again. Let's test it with this variable instead and see if what we really do have figured out is in fact true. Let's test it, let's retest it, let's test it in a different way. That's the scientific method. Got it? Hopefully somewhat review from high school and middle school science classes that you probably wished you could have forgotten. Um, and And so sometimes we we personify science or put science on this pedestal with equal with religion or we say things like science says it's like well science doesn't say anything people say things we're personifying science when it's like well science this is science this is the, the using the method of science is science so how can science say anything well science doesn't say anything if you want to be more specific you could say with the scientific data we uh, of the patterns presented we can hypothesize that, you know, X is true. Like eating high cholesterol foods will give you a heart attack. The, the the scientific data of the patterns presented, we can hypothesize that. And then you finish the sentence with whatever you have been observing. Instead of, you know, we just kind of simplify it to, oh, science says. It's like, well, science itself doesn't say anything. It's just a method. And so to get that into our heads, I think is important um, as, as we talk about science. And it's like, well, Let's more specifically talk about the ways in which we know things by the scientific method. That's science. Got it? Okay, the next point. An old earth. And and, and we'll begin to talk about why this is important in a second as far as, far as this evolution creation debate. But um, this is a really big deal within the scientific fields. Various scientific fields. Chemistry, paleontology, biology, um, astronomy. Different fields are all kind of Using the patterns, uh, presenting the patterns, hypothesizing that the Earth is in fact old, and so various things like the chemistry field, with with studying like radioactive dating, carbon dating, how chemicals break down, how those, how Earth rock chemicals break down versus the meteors that have fallen to the Earth have broken down. They, they have the, it's, it seems that the scientific data, the patterns presented, they hypothesize that the Earth is very old, not thousands of years. Maybe not even millions of years, but billions of years. I think the number now is 4.6 billion years that the Earth has been around. Astronomy and physics, they would say, oh, the movement of the universe, the planetary ages, uh, the, the ideas that there are stars that are light years away, and so the, the very light that we're seeing, the star, is, has, came from a thousand years ago plus. Uh, thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, we're now just seeing the light of this star that shined a long time ago, and it's light years away. Um, in the, in the area of biology, especially paleontology, the study of fossils, uh, looking at fossils, fossil records, and and where the fossils are, and the in the Earth's crust, and and looking at things of of that, we can see that there's 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 patterns in the fossil record, and the, so from biology, people say, oh, it, it seems like the patterns presented we can hypothesize that the earth is, is quite old, um, from geology, uh, like formations of rocks, how rocks are formed versus like erosion. And that test of erosions, if you have a, a, like a, a Canyon, how, how much water flowing down that Canyon, how fast the water was flowing down the Canyon. Um, and over X amount of time that we get a Canyon's depth. And so you could predict how old a Canyon is by how wide and how deep it is. And, uh, so on and so forth geology is kind of anybody like geology i yeah I kinda, i'm liking geo i never took a geology class um in my college years i was studying biology um but going back i think if i was to go back i was like man i, I wish i could have taken a few geology courses because now i'm kind of interested in geology and a part of it is just like this summer i live in manitou anybody else live in manitou springs with all the weird people nobody else didn't think so um we live in Manitou, and right behind our house is this big hill. And this summer, like these torrential downpours hit uh, the west side of Colorado Springs and Manitou, and there was like just all this water damage, like rivers of water flowing down the road. And behind my house, that big hill, water hit the hill, came down the hill, and like a river of water. This is our backyard. This is that's like moving water from the back of the the hill to like out where the car is down the driveway is like a river of water. It's like, dude, that kind of stinks. It's like our house almost got flooded. It didn't, but it could have. Uh, and this is like looking up the hill. There's like a stream of water coming down to the back of my house. A little scary, but, um, but looking at these, these, these things and thinking about the earth and and how this hill is is eroding and of course if you if you could see the picture clear enough maybe you can't you see that the water is very brownish and so it's carrying sediments with it and we just looking at my house and where it sits and the, where the foundation is the house was built in 1895 and so it's it's more than 100 years old and in 100 years the foundation has, has kind of stayed the same because it's on solid good foundation but the dirt. Around the foundation has has risen, and so there's like dirt where it's not supposed to be, like ten inches of dirt that has come down the hill over a hundred years, and now I have ten inches of dirt kind of like up against the house where it kind of stopped and uh, was became a sediment and so i imagine in another 100 years there'll be another 10 inches of dirt on top of that 20 inches of dirt in 100 years and so you could just kind of predict it's like oh this is the patterns that happen and how the earth kind of moves and how rivers flow and erosion takes place and things like that and you get the idea of of how that takes place and then you see or you go down the road and see something like this the garden of the gods ooh ah beautiful And, and you you take the tour of the Garden of the Gods. Anybody ever taken the tour? <laughs> that guy. Sweet. Yeah, me too. Um, I I think it's cool. But uh, uh, so you take the tour and they talk about how millions of years passed and how rock forms and how rock eroded and how these these pillars are because the rock around the the pillars have eroded away. And you begin to think about, okay, in the last hundred years, like my yard, you know, grew 10 inches. You're like, sweet. Okay. How long would it take to erode that pillar? And you're like, a couple hundred years? Like, no, quite a bit more than a couple hundred years, at least in the same patterns and things that we know about. And so you begin to look at things like this, and, and geology and geologists will tell you about millions of years and plate tectonics, and, and potentially they'll talk about billions of years. And, and, the, and it's like, well, how in the world are those patterns, how do they hypothesize that? Well, that's the whole field of geology that that we don't have time to get into. But you begin to wonder about how old the earth is. And, and that, that'll be important in this creation evolution debate because the Bible kind of promotes this idea of a young earth. And we'll talk about why in just a second. But but it's just, it's inter- it's interesting. The whole thing is just that the scientific world are producing, or not producing, of observing these patterns and saying, man, the earth, it just seems a little bit older than a couple hundred couple thousand years that the bible says and so what do we do with that as christians well we're going to talk about it all this month um but that's that's kind of where we're going with this thing the last point um evolution to quickly talk about evolution um uh almost always the example that is used when i did my student teaching i used this example when i was in high school biology that this example was like the first example on the first day of class when we started talking about evolution how many of you have seen the peppered moths before Anybody? Okay, and so there's peppered moths. These are the peppered moths. The species name uh Biston Beturlia. Anyways, so that that's the same species of moth. One's black, one's white. Why Why's it gotta be a colored thing? I don't know. Um just kidding. Uh so there's, so it's the same species, there's just differences in how they look. And so you've probably heard, uh, so in England during, you know, uh, pre-industrial revolution, there's a lot of white trees like aspens, and it, maybe you can't even tell from the picture, but that's a white tree with a white moth on it, camouflaged. You can't even see them. Birds can't see them. I mean, I guess they could if they were really looking, but... Um, that they would eat them off of there um obviously a black moth on a white tree would be eaten first because the bird would see that first as the delicious uh treat and so they'd eat the black ones first and so what happened in this i guess is somewhat documented that the population of the peppered moths in the 17 and 1800s um experienced uh evolution we might call it microevolution but uh, What happened during the Industrial Revolution, people started burning coal more and producing these factories, billowing smoke out, and the trees became covered with soot and became darker. Therefore, the white ones stood out like a sore thumb, and the birds and predators ate the white ones um, more than the black ones. And so there was a population shift between more white moths to more black moths. Have you heard the example before? Have you seen something like this before? Microevolution... yeah, that's what that's that's what this is, and so we as as Christians will sometimes make this big difference between okay, that's microevolution, that's just a species uh, a, a population of change within a species, and then we might as Christians talk about oh, macroevolution would be a fish evolving into a dog, right? It's like well. Um, and I, as a Christian, I, before this studying this week, I, I in my head, and obviously there's a big difference between micro and macro evolution. But most scientists, most evolutionary biologists, don't talk about the differences between micro and macro evolution because they would say that micro evolution, these these small changes over time would lead to another small change, which would lead to another small change, which would lead to another small change. And so fish are never turning into dogs. Fish are just turning into potentially other species of fish. And and we've at least, so that's natural selection. And we have seen uh, over the course of time artificial selection, which is when a human like uh has sees wants to create a a, like a faster horse they would take horses like if you're like a horse breeder or something you would into horse races you wouldn't take the horse that was always losing and make him the dad and another horse that was always losing and make that the mommy horse and produce another try to get a fast horse no you take the winner's of the the races and you take the mommy and daddy fastest horse and then they would have a bunch of horse babies because they love each other very much and then you would take the fastest of those baby horses when they grow up and you would you would breed them um hopefully they're not brother and sister uh but you would like take other horses and breed you'd breed the fastest horses and get even faster horses make sense And so that's an artificial design of you're wanting a particular trait. You go and get it. And we have, especially in plant species, created new species. Species that one species is different from another species if they can no longer interbreed. And if they can't interbreed, then there are new species. And so we've observed new species being formed specifically with artificial uh, selection. Make sense? So this is all within the science talk. And second, we'll talk about... The, the Bible talk, and then we'll talk about the interweaving talk. But that's that's kind of science. You've, you've had biology before, right? In high school, probably all of us, unless you didn't, I don't know why you wouldn't, because it's kind of a required thing. So this in some ways, this is just review of science. And so we've talked about the scientific method, talked about an old earth, talked about evolution. Why is that important? Because if you, if you've, if you haven't been living under a rock in the last 200 years, you know that... Um, the science and the Bible are sometimes like bump heads. Like, why does the Bible say seven, six literal days, uh, and why does it say that if science is the patterns in science hypothesize that the Earth is much older and that life evolved? Why is that? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about the Bible. The creation narrative within the Bible is, is your is your topic on your notes. Just the creation narrative. And if you read it, and I highly encourage you should, it's only one chapter, the first chapter of Genesis that God created in seven days, right? The first day he created light, second day he created something else, third day vegetation. I forget that. I forget. I should probably know this off the top of my head, but I don't. Uh, so it's the six, this is six days of creation, seven days, six days, and then a day of rest. And we read the Bible and we just see it for what it is, Right? You look at the Bible. Well, how did God create? Well, he, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. Water was over the surface of the deep, and God hovered over the waters. And then he said, let there be light. And there was light, and he called the light good. He separated the, the light from the day, and so on and so forth. And that's the biblical creation narrative account of creation in the Bible. And so that is kind of at odds with the hypothesis and patterns that scientists have formed as they look at fossil records and um things right no right okay and then and then young earth genie by genealogies is this next point that if you're reading the context of the bible you can read through the list of names uh, adam had uh, Cain, and then Cain, is it Seth that's next? And on down the line, you can actually trace the genealogy from Adam to Abraham. And then if you turn to the book of Matthew, you can, uh, the first uh, chapter talks about how Adam, To Jesus, like you could look at the whole genealogy between Jesus, who lived about 2,000 years ago, all the way to Adam. And if you do the math and you look at, okay, how long did Adam live? When would he have had his first son that then led to the next first son on down the road? I mean, a lot of it is averaging and calculating and and just inferring. You would get that the earth is about 6,000 years old that God created on the, on the sixth day he created man. That was Adam. And then at some point, Adam, and you kind of have to guess like, when did Adam have Cain? And then when did Cain have his first son? So there is some uh, averaging going on, but, but most, uh, if just looking at genealogies, you'd say the genealogy is no more than 10,000 years old. The genealogy is probably somewhere around 6,000 years old. And if God really did create Adam on the sixth day, then the earth itself is about 6,000 years old. 4,000-something B.C. is when the earth, the heavens and the earth, and humanity and dinos uh, roamed the earth. Okay? Does that make sense? So that's the Bible. We just talked about science. We're talking about the Bible. Okay, next point, quickly. Reconciling science and the Bible. Then this question, how should we bring together the Bible and science when it comes to creation? And, 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 And so it comes down to, and we'll talk about this um, all this month, obviously, but it comes down to this whole thing of literal versus figurative once again. And I've been making fun of these words, literal and figurative, for the last couple of months. A couple of months ago, we talked about uh, the afterlife. Do you remember that talk? If you were here, we talked about, oh, he- heaven and hell, are they literal? Are the descriptions of hell literal? Is is hell a literal place? And we talked about that. And And then the next month, uh, we talked about sacraments and symbols, right? And so we talked about, oh, as, how, how symbolic, how literal or figurative is, say, communion. Um, how literal or figurative is, you know, when we say, oh, let's worship the cross. It's like, wait, are we worshiping the cross? Or is the cross a symbol, a figurative symbol of the literal God that we worship? And we just begin to, and I have all these jokes about literal and figurative. Like we were late uh, coming to Sunday school, and so we were driving very fast on the highway and we were literally flying as we were racing here to the church it's like literally like you went to colorado springs airport and got on a plane to to fly i don't even see an uh uh where, where'd you land like you weren't literally flying right but we just at least least in my head, this whole like literal figurative thing. is just so funny. Like, and, and like telling people, like calling people out, like, man, I, my head literally exploded. I've been learning so much. And it's like, well, not literally like, yeah, I guess you're right. It's just so in my head, it's just so funny. But, um, and so, so this, I mean, it's just, I guess part of my life right now, uh, this, this literal figurative joke that, that, that another month of Sunday school topic, the main question will be how literal or figurative is genesis chapter one and so we have views within creationism and as a reminder we are all creationists we believe in intelligent design within the christian worldview and framework and so this is a question of how god created not did god create and so we have this spectrum that that i think next week we'll talk fully about this spectrum and so there'll be a lot about to show you a lot of uh, just different bullet points here. But there's a spectrum of how literal is the Bible. And you go fully with the literal interpretation of the six days of creation. Or at the bottom here is like, no, the, the, the first chapter of Genesis is not literal. I'm going totally with science. And so you get this spectrum. And I will spend a full hour next week talking about these various views. And maybe you've heard some of the views. Maybe within this in-house Christian evolution or creation evolution debate you've heard some of these things like someone might ask you do you believe in an old earth or do you believe in a young earth uh and if you believe in an old earth uh, how did God create? Did he, Do you believe in the gap theory? I'll talk about that next time. Do you believe in progressive creationism, that God, that, that maybe a day-age theory, each day is a thousand years to the Lord, and that might account for some of the patterns we see in science? Or are you a theistic evolutionist, which we'll talk about next week? But I think the main question here is, how old is the earth? That, that seems to be a preface question for going into uh, this debate. And so this is next week. We'll spend a full hour on this. And so if you're, you're like, oh, I've heard of the day age theory. I've heard of progressive evolution. We'll get there. We'll talk about it all next week. So, have I overwhelmed you yet? <laughs> That's what you look like. Um, here's some conclusions. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about God as creator in just a second. But first, for science. science—that This idea that science is not... A religion, and sometimes we you know we listen to these these great speakers that have written books within the scientific community, like a uh, Richard Dawkins or uh, Hitchens, and they they are so atheistic with their it 's almost a religion, I would say it is a religion, this atheism you don 't believe in a God, no God. Um, that, that, that's a religion. And, and so they would say, oh, by science, we've proved that there isn't a God. And it's like, well, wait just a minute. Science isn't a religion. How in the world, you know, thinking back to the the, the scientific method that I put up there, how do you observe God? How do you conduct experiments, controlled experiments on God? Then how do you um, to re, re-look at those and make hypotheses about that? that? That's not science. Science is not a religion. Science is 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 doing looking at patterns via the scientific method. Science is not a religion. And so, but, but it seems like so many people have, have made it into like their religion, which just isn't the way it, it should be. And people like we put fishes on our car and and other people put Darwin fishes on their car and then we think we're really cool. And so we do this, the Christian fish eating the Darwin fish and that's cute and cool. And um, but but that's i think it's engaging it all all wrong because you know atheism that's a religion if you want to talk about it that way but science itself isn't a religion and i have a quote on the back of your of your skillet and it's by uh, a scientist, and this scientist is in fact an atheist. He he did pass away, and we may talk about Stephen Jay Gould uh, later this month because he developed ideas of punctuated evolution. He's talked about the the Cambrian explosion and all these these things. But so he's an evolutionist. He also was an atheist. But he said it like this. In fact, I'll, I'll say the full quote. Um, that, which includes this part, and he said he's very passionate about it. He'll say, "I'll say it for all my colleagues for the umpteenth million time." This is a direct quote from Stephen Jay Gould, the the scientist, the evolutionist, the atheist, and he says, "Science simply cannot, by its legitimate methods, adjunct the issue of God's possible superintendence of nature. Whether we affirm or deny it, we simply can't comment on it as scientists." And I, I just like that, Stephen Jay Gould is is a very uh, wise, brilliant evolutionist. He is an atheist. But he would say, yeah, science and the scientific method, we can't comment on God. We can't do the the scientific method on God. And so therefore, the question of God has to be, you know, we could talk about that in philosophy or religion, or but we can't comment on it as scientists. And that, that goes against the face of, of so many people that may put the Darwin fish on their car and say, oh, their religion is science. And it's like, that's just... A, a dumb way to think about it because science you, how do you scientifically experiment hypothesize on god you can't it's, it's it's just something you can't you shouldn't comment on as a scientist you can comment on it as a philosopher as a religious or unreligious person but to just assume that science equals no god is is just silly on the most foundational level and so i just want to end with this the big point of c- concluding that god uh, the creator. God is creator. We believe that by faith. We experience him. We, we pray to him. Even I think a child would say there's, there's something that, that that made all this. And as, as Christians, we'd say, yeah, that's the creator. Um, we, we wouldn't say, you know, science in some ways says that their God is almost like chance. Like it all happened by chance. And then through progression of chance. And it's like, no, we would say that God is God. He is the creator um and so even while asking questions this month of how God created we affirm that God did create. He 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 did create that this is his creation whether he formed it or you know we'll begin to ask these questions all this month but I want to conclude and and read this whole psalm psalm chapter 8 and kind of a just a reverence to who God is and this has to do with how majestic he is and how he created everything so psalm eight, the whole the whole psalm begins with, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, the moon, the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of, of him? Human beings that you have cared for them. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Continuing the psalm, verse 5, You've made them, hum- humanity, a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You've put everything under their feet. The flocks, the herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sea, the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we do thank you for for creating out of, out of nothing the idea that you created all of this, that you've actually put the creation under our feet. God, we're so blessed. We're so thankful that you have have done that. We, we worship you. We praise you. We say that your name is majestic, that you are creator, that you are designer, that you are a loving, awesome creator and designer. So, God, we worship you. We put our trust in you, even though we bring up questions and we, we can't ever explain the, the true mysteries behind all of them. We put our trust in you. We thank you for creating God. So we love you. We give you all praise. Everybody said, amen. All right, everybody. Peace out. We'll see you next week for more evolution and creation. Peace.